Good morning. It is a pleasure to be here today to worship our Lord with you and to have fellowship with my brothers and sisters in Christ. I'm very blessed to be here and I hope that you can say the same. Uh, Brother Matt, I won't leave you in the dark any longer. This morning we're going to be talking about work and how your work will be rewarded. Our inspiration for our topic this morning comes from 2 Chronicles chapters 14 and 15. If you want to mark your Bible there or your app there, put a bookmark there if you'd like. We'll spend a little bit of time uh, in 2 Chronicles uh, where we get the text, but you take courage, do not let your hands be weak, for your work shall be rewarded. This text comes from the story of King Asa. In 2 Chronicles chapter 14, we're introduced to this king. Uh, a little bit of a history about him. He was the son of Abijah. He was the third king of Judah, which is the uh, orange section here on the map uh, after the kingdom split and the southern tribes of Judah and Benjamin split off into the southern kingdom while Israel remained in the north. Uh, and Asa reigned for about 41 years, uh, and he was the father of Jehoshaphat. And then most importantly there in chapter 14, verse 2, and Asa did what was good and right in the eyes of the Lord his God. If you know anything about the history of the children of Israel, they had a very up and down relationship with their God. And a lot of times that had to do with the up and down relationship with their kings, where they alternated between good kings and evil or wicked kings. But Asa is listed as one of these good kings of the children of Israel. He did what was good in the, sight of, in the eyes of the Lord, his God. And I wanted to put that he was the father of Jehoshaphat here, uh, specifically because the same thing was also said about Jehoshaphat, that he walked in the way of their father, David, that he was another good king. So not only was Asa a good king, but he left a legacy where his son was also another good king of the children of Israel, uh, the kingdom of Judah specifically. In his time, the, during the time of King Asa, he was approached by Azariah and brought a prophecy. In 2 Chronicles chapter 15, verses 2-7, through 7, we get that prophecy where Azariah went to Asa and said to him, Hear me, Asa, and all Judah and Benjamin. The Lord is with you while you are with him. If you seek him, he will be found by you, but if you forsake him, he will forsake you. For a long time Israel was without the true God, and without a teaching priest, and without law. But when in their distress they turned to the Lord, the God of Israel, and sought him, he was found by them. In those times there was no peace to him who went out, or to him who came in. For great disturbances afflicted all the inhabitants of the lands." They were broken in pieces, nation was crushed by nation, and city by city, for God troubled them with every sort of distress. But you take courage, do not let your hands be weak, for your work shall be rewarded. Now it goes on to tell us that King Asa was inspired by these words, and this prophecy came true, because he did mighty great works for the Lord and accomplished great things for the kingdom of Judah. He removed the foreign altars, the high places, and the incense altars from the cities of Judah. He broke down the pillars and cut down the asherim, uh, which were a religious cult 
uh, of the time of, of religious male prostitutes. He commanded Judah to seek the Lord and to keep the law. And ultimately, the kingdom had rest under his rule. You see, he was promised that if his hands were not weak, if he was not discouraged, that his great work would lead to great reward. And he saw the reward of his labors in his lifetime. His kingdom had peace under his rule. He built fortified cities in Judah, for the land had rest. He had no war in those years, for the Lord gave him peace. What more could, could a king really ask for than that his subjects, his servants, his people would have peace and that they would not have war? His work was blessed because he worked for the Lord and he accomplished great things for the work of the Lord. And because the, the Lord was with him, he saw the reward of that labor and the peace of his kingdom. You know, as I went through this, this, this story and was looking at, at King Asa, it got me thinking about the work that we are called to do. Because like Asa was called to do great works and to, to drive out all of the, the, the false prophets and, and the false religions of the time, we are called to a great work. In 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 58 says, Therefore, my beloved brothers, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that in the Lord your labor is not in vain. You see, we are also called to do a great work. And we can find meaning and we can find purpose in that work, knowing that if it's for the Lord and if the Lord is with us, then that work's not going to be in vain. It's not a waste of time to do the work of the Lord. We can find purpose and we can find meaning in that good work. I like how it's phrased in the King James Version of translation for 1 Corinthians chapter 16, verse 15. I beseech you, brethren, ye know the house of Stephanus, that it is first fruits of Achaia, and that they have addicted themselves to the ministry of the saints. Can that be said about you today? Can I look at myself and say that about myself? That I'm addicted to the work of the Lord. Are we addicted to the work of the Lord? I want that to be said about me, personally. I want them to say, the house of Lowry is addicted to the work of the Lord. I want them to say, the house of Jones, the house of McCorkle, the house of everyone in here, that they are addicted to the work. But in order to be addicted, you first have to have the desire. You first have to want to do the work. In 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verses 9-11, through 11, as for, it says, For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that you by his poverty might become rich. And in this matter I give you my judgment. This benefits you, who a year ago started not only to do this work, but also to desire to do it. So now finish doing it as well, so that your readiness in desiring it may be matched by your completing it out of what you have. You know, we got to start somewhere. We got to get to work. And as we start doing the work, as we start getting involved, and as we see those, the, the benefits of being involved, you know, what we've been missing out on, we're going to build that desire to do the work. And as we build upon that, we can be addicted to the work that we are called to be, that we are all called to be uh, addicted to the work of the church by desiring 
to do it uh, as well as doing it. Jesus tells us that he hungered for the work, that it was food to him to do the will of him who sent me and to accomplish his work. Do not say that there are yet four months, then comes the harvest. Look, I tell you, lift up your eyes and see that the fields are white for harvest. Already the one who reaps is receiving wages and gathering fruit for eternal life so that sower and reaper may rejoice together. Now we're going to continue on and read some more of this passage. But I want to stop here and point out that Jesus himself said that it was food for him to do the will and to do the work of the Lord. It should be such a necessity to us that it's the same as if we hunger for food. It should be that much of a desire and that much of an addiction that we hunger to do the work of the Lord, that we thirst to do his, his word. He goes on and explains another aspect, I believe, of the work of the Lord, and that is that the work is a process. In John chapter 3, verses 37 through 38, it says, For here the saying holds true, one sows and another reaps. I sent you to reap that for which you did not labor. Others have labored and have entered into their labor. You see, it's a process, the work of the Lord. We may not see that reward that we're promised immediately. We may not see the fruits of our labor in, even in our lifetimes. You see, we never know what part of, of the process we are at in someone's life. We may be watering. We may be planting seed. If God's given the increase, maybe it's time to reap. But our job, whether or not we know exactly where we fall, our job is to keep planting and keep watering and keep cultivating the relationships uh, with the, the people in this world so that we might see that fruit somewhere along the process. In 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 5-14, through 14, uh, we're going to skip around in this passage a little bit, but it's all contained within those verses. Uh, it says, what, what then is Apollos? What is Paul? Servants through whom you believed as the Lord assigned to each. I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the growth. Jumping to verse 10, according to the grace of God given to me, like a skilled master builder, I laid a foundation, someone else is building upon it. Let each one take care how he builds upon it. For no one can lay a foundation other than that which is laid, which is Christ Jesus. Each one's work will become manifest, for the day will disclose it, because it will be revealed by fire, and the fire will be tested, that what, that what sort of work each one has done. If the work that anyone has built on the foundation survives, he will receive a reward. You know, we may not know where we are in the process of someone's life. We may be Apollos and we're watering. We may be Paul and we're planting. But as long as we're doing something, as long as we're being active farmers for the Lord and we're cultivating uh, relationships, then we are doing a good work for the Lord. If we persevere through that process, knowing that we will receive a reward according to the measure of work that we're done, the amount of effort that we're putting in is the amount of reward that we're going to reap. Now let's look a little bit and talk about the reward. What are, are we getting out of this relationship? 
in John chapter 6, verse 27 through 29, says, Do not work for the food that perishes, but for the food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give to you. For on him God the Father has set his seal. Then they said to him, What must we do to be doing the works of God? And Jesus answered them, This is the work of God, that you believe in him who, whom he has sent. Like I said, we may not see a, a physical reward or the fruits of our labor necessarily in this lifetime because ultimately that's not what we're striving for we're striving for food that's eternal we have a higher purpose and a higher goal if we're only seeking out uh, instant gratification then we're going to be disappointed because the work and our labor for the lord we're not going to get that that instant gratification but if we're striving for that eternal purpose for that eternal goal and we have that mindset of eternity then we will be rewarded correctly for the, the work that we do. Also in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 24 through 25, it says, Do you not know that the race all runners run, but only one receives the prize? So run that you may obtain it. Every athlete exercises self-control in all things. They do it to receive a perishable wreath, but we an imperishable. We need to be running and conditioning ourselves for the work of the church so that we are trying to reach and obtain that imperishable crown. Like if we were a runner preparing ourselves for the Olympics where we're trying to win a gold medal, but in this case, we're not competing against each other or other Christians. We're competing against ourselves and against the devil uh, who we have to outrace and outpace to reach that imperishable crown. In 2 Timothy chapter 4, verses 7 through 8, as Paul's talking about coming to the end of his life. He says, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Henceforth, there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day, and not only to me, but also to all who loved his appearing. This is the reward that's promised to all of us if we are doing the work of the Lord. We're not promised an earthly reward. We're not promised riches. We're not even promised an easy life here on earth. But if we've kept the faith, if we've kept fighting, if we've endured the work, then we do have a crown of righteousness laid up for us in heaven. And that's the, the, the reward that we need to be striving for. So now that we've talked about work in, in general and, and the reward for our work, I want to look at some practical ways that we can go about performing good works for the work of the Lord. Uh, first of all, Jesus gave us a direct command in, in both Matthew and Mark uh, in the Great Commission. You know, talk about famous last words. The last thing he left his disciples with were these commandments in, chap- in Matthew chapter 28 and Mark chapter 16, where he commands them to make disciples of all nations baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And then in Mark, proclaiming the gospel to all of creation. Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved, but whoever does not believe will be condemned. Jesus seems pretty direct here on a work that he wants all of us to do to go out and preach the gospel unto every creature by making disciples and teaching them to observe all the things that he has commanded us to do, which includes making more disciples. And that's how we grow the church. By being active, by being about the work of the Lord, by bringing people to Christ so that they might bring others. 
And what kind of church do we want to be? What kind of congregation, what kind of Christians do we want to be? Do we want to be evangelistic? Do we want to be about the work of the Lord? Or do we want to sit on the sidelines and let others do the work? Another way that we can be active in the work of the Lord is through acts of service. You know, he himself, Jesus, tells us that the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. You know, if anybody had the right or authority to be served here on earth, it was Jesus. He had the power. He had the authority. He was God, is God. But he chose to come down in the form of a servant, humbling himself, even though he was equal with God and didn't you know, think it robbery to be considered equal with God. He came down and humbled himself to die on the cross for our sins and to be a servant in that way. Likewise, he commends us to be servants, to have a servant mindset, and to serve each other. You see, Jesus here in Matthew chapter 25, he gives us a formula of how to be blessed, how to be on his right hand in the final judgment. He's separating the sheep and the goats, the blessed sheep on the right and the condemned goats on the left in this passage. And the king will say to the ones on the right, Come, you who are blessed by my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you in the foundation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me food. I was thirsty, and you gave me drink. I was a stranger, and you welcomed me. I was naked, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you visited me. I was in prison, and you came to me. I like to consider myself a pretty practical guy. I really like lists. I like just saying, hey, tell me what to do so I can just do it. And Jesus lays it out right here, how we can be considered blessed in his kingdom by performing these kinds of works of service for each other. You see, the blessed go on to, to ask him and say, you know, I, I never did any of that for you. I never fed you. I didn't visit you in prison. But Jesus answers them and says, as long as you did it to one of you, the least, your brethren, then you have done it unto me. And that's our task. If we want to be considered blessed, do these acts of service for each other and to the stranger. Welcome the stranger. Visit the sick and in prison. Feed the hungry. And if we do these things, we're committing good works and acts of service uh, in the service of our Lord. But now I want to look at the, the flip side. Because while there is good work, there is also evil. And there's also vain work in this world. In Psalms chapter 127, verses 1 through 2, says the song of ascents of Solomon, unless the Lord builds the house, those who build it labor in vain. Unless the Lord watches over the city, the watchman stays awake in vain. It is in vain that you rise up early and go late to rest, eating the bread of anxious toil, for he gives his beloved sleep. There's such thing as vain work. If we're toiling, if we're doing work, but it's not in the name of the Lord, if it doesn't glorify him, if he's not with us in that work, then our labor is in vain. So we need to make sure that in our work, we have the right attitude, that we're not doing it to be men pleasers or to be seen by others or for any kind of glory or earthly reward, but that we're working for the Lord 
Uh, and if he is behind us, then our labor will not be in vain. In, ch- in Titus chapter 1, verses 15 through 16, it says, To the pure, all things are pure, but to the defiled and unbelieving, nothing is pure. But both their minds and their consciousness are defiled. They profess to know God, but they deny him by their works. They are detestable, disobedient, unfit for any good works. See, there's, there's vain work that we can fall into, and there are evil, there's evil work in the world, and there are evil workers who are unfit for any kind of good work, as it is mentioned. Now, we can't judge somebody's heart or judge their intentions, and we can't judge somebody's uh, salvation. But Jesus does tell, the, tell us that we can recognize evildoers, evil workers, and that we need to stay away from those people. In Matthew chapter 7, verse 15 through 20, it says, Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous wolves. You will recognize them by their fruits. Are grapes gathered from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? So every healthy tree bears good fruit, but the diseased tree bears bad fruit. A healthy tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a diseased tree bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Thus you will recognize them by their fruits. We can't judge someone's heart, but we can know enough to stay away from the wrong kinds of people by their actions, by the fruit that's fulfilled in their lives, by the actions that they commit. We can know and recognize evil workers. We have been instructed to do so that, so that we can stay away from them. As they will be cut off and thrown into the lake of fire, we need to cut them off from our lives. We can't affect who they are really or what they do, but we can affect how we act and how we put ourselves in situations uh, to be around those people. So my encouragement for you today on this is to to look at fruit, judge fruit, and recognize evil workers uh, to cut yourselves off and stay away uh, from those evils. And then finally, the last thing that I really want to to warn warn us all about today is really the dangers uh, of shallow work, what I'm calling shallow work, or a lukewarm faith. In Revelation chapter 3, verses 14 through 16, says, The angel of the church of Laodicea, Laodicea write, The words of the Amen, the faithful and true witness, the beginning of God's creation. I know your works. You are neither cold nor hot. Would that you were either cold or hot, so that because you are lukewarm and neither hot nor cold, I will spit you out of my mouth. How would you like to be the church of Laodicea and hear that or, or read that in this case? That because you are lukewarm, I'm going to spit you out of, out of my mouth. Let's read that verse again. And the angel of the church at Denton write, the words of the amen, the faithful and true witness, the beginning of God's creation. I know that your works are neither cold nor hot. Would that you work either cold or hot. So because you are lukewarm, Neither cold nor hot, I will spit you out of my mouth. Does that hurt? I guess I hope it doesn't, because that means that you're on fire, and I hope you are. But it hurts me. So I've been lukewarm. I don't want to be lukewarm anymore. And I hope you don't either, because that's not the kind of work that our Lord has called us uh, to perform. I want you and me, I want us all, 
to evaluate what kind of servant we are. Because we learn about two types of servant here in Matthew chapter 25. It says that uh, a man is going on a journey, and he calls the servants and entrusts to them his property. To one he gives five talents, to another two, and to another one, to each according to his ability. Now we get two reactions from these servants. The two servants who received five and two talents, they went and invested their talent and, and doubled their profits. The other servant who received one talent, he went and buried it in the ground. Now I'm going to ask you, which type of servant are you and which type of servant is the master going to be pleased with? Because he tells the, the, the servant with one talent who hid his talent that you are a wicked and slothful servant. And he commands his other servants to cast the worthless servant into the outer darkness in the place where there'll be weeping and gnashing of teeth. The master, which in this case is God, is not pleased with hiding our talents in the ground. He's pleased when we take our talents, we invest them, and we grow them so that we might benefit the work of the church, so that our master might have profit in his property rather than it just being hidden underground. So what kind of servant are you today? Are you hiding your talent in the ground, or do you want to put your talent to work? And you may not know where to get started with that, but you can go to the leaders if you want to get put to work, if you want to grow your talent. You can go to the leaders and ask them, how? How can I be involved? What do I need to do to build this talent so I can use it for the work of the church? Or what is a need that, that I, with my talent I can fill in this congregation? I encourage us all to take time because that's part of their job is to equip the saints for the work of the ministry. So if you don't know where to get started and you feel like you've, you've fallen into this, this shallow work with a lukewarm faith, I encourage you to get with those leaders and see how you can get involved. In James chapter 2, verses 14 through 22, it says, What good is it, my brothers, if someone says he has faith but does not have works? Can the faith save him? If a, if a brother or sister is poorly clothed and lacking in daily food, and one of you says to them, Go in peace, be warmed and filled, without giving them the things needed for the body, what good is that? So also, faith by itself does not have works, is dead. But someone will say, You have faith, and I have works. Show me your faith apart from your works, and I will show you my faith by my works. You believe that God is one, you do well, even the demons believe and shudder. Do you want to be shown, you foolish person, that faith apart from works is useless? We can have all the faith in the world, but if it's a, a stagnant faith, if it's a still faith, if it's a dead faith, then that's because it's not active. It's because you're not putting works behind that faith. Faiths with, faith without works is dead, as we're told here in James. And this is one of my favorite passages because it's a challenge. You show me your faith apart from your works. Okay, go ahead, try. And I will show you my faith by my works. And that's the example that we need to be as Christians and as members of this congregation. 
that we are demonstrating and that we are showing that we are Christians by the works that we do. In conclusion, I want to leave you with, uh, with a few more passages. In Colossians chapter 3, verses 18, 18 through 25, it says, Wives, submit to your husbands, as is fitting the Lord. Husbands, love your wives. Do not be harsh to them. Children, obey your parents in everything, for this pleases the Lord. Fathers, do not provoke your children, lest they become discouraged. Bondservants, obey in everything those who are your earthly masters, not by way of eye service as people pleasers, but with sincerity of heart, fearing the Lord. See, no matter what state we are in, husband, wife, father, child, servant, employee, master, sibling, and go on and on, whatever situation that you are in, whatever kind of person you are, you've got a job to do. Whether that's to be obedient to your parents or submissive to your husband or to love your wife, we all have a job to do. We have some kind of work to do, and we will have some measure of reward. And and continuing on in verses uh, 23 through 25, Whatever you do, work heartily as for the Lord and not for men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the inheritance as your reward. You are serving the Lord Christ, for the wrongdoer will be paid back for the wrong he has done, and there is no partiality. We're going to be paid back for whatever measure of work we're going to perform. If it's good work for the Lord, then we're going to reap that eternal reward that we talked about. But if we're a wrongdoer, if we're living in sin, then that will also be paid back to us in kind without any partiality. So be aware of the work that you're doing. Work heartily as unto the Lord and be encouraged that uh, you will be rewarded, whether for good or for evil. Ultimately, that's, that's up to you and what kind of person you want to be. I want, uh, last verse here in Galatians chapter 6, verse 7 through 10. Says, do not be deceived, God is not mocked. For whatever one sows, that will he also reap. For the one who sows to his own flesh will from the flesh reap corruption, but the one who sows in the Spirit will from the Spirit reap eternal life. And let us not grow weary for doing good, for in due season we will reap if we do not give up. So then, as we have opportunity, let us do good to everyone and especially to those who are the household of faith. Whatever work we're doing, we're going to be rewarded. In measure, whatever we sow, we're also going to reap. But I wanted to leave you with with this encouragement, brothers and sisters. Let us not grow weary of doing good, and let us do good to all men, especially those of the household of faith. But let's leave here today, examining ourselves and seeing what kind of servants we are, what kind of workers we are for the Lord, because we can take courage. That if our hands are not weak, if we do not grow weary, then our work will be rewarded. Today, if you haven't started that walk with Christ and you haven't submitted to being a servant of his by being baptized for the remission of sins, then we can help you with that this morning. Or if you are a member, but you have a stagnant faith, a lukewarm faith, that, and you're ready to get, get put to work 
and you need the prayers of the church, please come forward and sit on the front row, and the church will be happy to assist you as we stand and sing the song that's been selected.